Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. Hi guys. Welcome to the first ever edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra with me, Tom Harrison. Now, just to explain uh, this podcast, after my podcast debut a few months ago, Raul and I have been trying to find time to do another one, and due to time zone differences, we've basically realised that it's not possible. So instead... Raul thought, why don't I kind of go it alone, at least for the time being, whilst I'm in the UK, and do my own thing as the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. So, that's what I'm doing. In this um, podcast, which should be done normally once a week, I'm going to be discussing um, one big topic each week, and this could be looking at a game itself, or using a game on the weekend to um, talk about one team or the two teams involved, or it could be something like the best defenders in the league. Um, sometimes I may you know, open the floor and, and ask for suggestions for what should be our big topic if, I, if I'm unsure. So that will be the first part. Then I'll have a player of the week where I'll talk about a player who's performed very well on the weekend and you know, analyse their performance, what makes them such a good player. And then I'll end with some questions from you guys. And um, we've got plenty of questions to get through this week. So thank you very much for that. Now, to start with, our big first topic is the Toluca America game. Now, the game itself was pretty even. 15 shots to 14 in favour of Toluca. Um, 51% possession to 49, again in favour of Toluca. Three saves each, and the game was really decided by two golazos from Toluca. But I'm not talking about the game itself. I want to discuss what the game showed about how the two teams have prepared for this clausura, because there's a complete contrast in the two. Now, firstly, we have Toluca. Big year. Uh, obviously, their centenary year. They're back at them, the Messi of DS, which I have to say they've done a fantastic job on. Really, really um, great stadium now. And hopefully, because of the, the stadium, their attendances will, will boost a bit because sometimes the attendances were a bit low at Toluca. But, yeah, they've got a big year, and they've prepared for it really well. Now, their main preparation has been the signing of quality experienced players in the previous two windows. So you've got uh, defender Osvaldo Gonzalez, uh, midfielder Jesus Mendes, who scored the Galeso on Sunday. You've got Pablo Barrientos, Ruben Sambuesa, Gabriel Auche, all players in their 30s. But all players who, either in Mexico, in Argentina, in Brazil, so in quality leagues, have shown in the past that they have the quality, that they can perform to a high level. And when Toluca are looking for this instant success in their centenary year, this could be a great policy um, because they it's low risk. They know they're bringing these players in. They've done it before. They know they can do it again. So I think this is 
this was the plan of Toluca. You know, we want this into success. We need to bring in players that we know can do it. Obviously, there's a risk that over the whole course of the season, these players might burn out. They are in their 30s. They do have an old team, Toluca. There is a concern, you know, after this, at the end of the season, going into Ligia, two games in a week, will they struggle to deal with that? But right now, it looks like they've done some really shrewd business by bringing in these proven, experienced players. The other thing they've done really well is keeping hold of Hernan Cristante, because I guess some people, some clubs, might have got rid of him after failing to make Ligia in his first season. But Cristante clearly was improving. He got off to a terrible start with Toluca. But he figured out his best team. He figured out the players he liked and the players he didn't like. And they improved as the season went on. And, you know, Toluca have have done well to place faith in him to say, look, you know, we can see you're improving. Here's a couple more players. Here's your winter break. Go off, work with the team more. You know, really get them to know that tactic even more than they do so right now. And the result of this is a lot of fluid play. And I read people comment on Twitter about how this was the best they'd seen Toluca play since the Cardoso senior year. Well, senior is still there, but <laughs> since the kind of Cardoso senior era. And um, there was a lot of fluid play. And you know, that doesn't come overnight. That doesn't just come from managers saying, I want you to be fluid in your attack. I want you to switch positions. There has to be that understanding of knowing where players are going to go, understanding how other how your teammates play, so that you, know, you don't just end up with, okay, you can go wherever you like. Well, all the players end up in the same place. So it comes over time, and, and by sticking with Cristante, they've allowed that to happen. They've, they've allowed them to improve over time. On the other hand, we have Club America, who have really not prepared well for the Clausura, to be honest. And, of course, you have to cut them a bit of slack. They had the Club World Cup, they had a Ligue final that ended on Christmas, they've had, like, two weeks to prepare to this. Well, no, they've had, they've had three weeks, because they obviously had that week break as well. They got to postpone their first game of the season. But they haven't prepared well, really haven't prepared well. And you think there must be people, you know, scouts, director of football, there must be people in the club that are focused on signings, acquisitions. They're, they're not... Obviously, they keep track of how the team's playing, but their focus is on the signings. They're not sort of following the team around and going, well, you know, we've got a final, so I can't worry about transfers right now. And, you know, transfer-wise, they just haven't done much. They haven't done enough. The thing that just baffles me the most of all is it's so it's been so obvious for a while now they need to sign a right back. Aguilar is still out injured. He could be out for a while. When he comes back after a lengthy break at his age, he may not be as good as he was before. Clearly, um, La Volpe doesn't trust Hilberon. Bruno Valdez, who's playing there right now, is a centre-back. He's not a right-back. He's not fully comfortable in that position, in that role. And they need to sign someone. And it's really surprising that they haven't yet. You know, you think, watching the games um, during the Apertura, 
they must have been thinking, you know, we need a right back. Let's let's get out there. Let's scout. Let's draw up a list of, of possible players. Okay, you know, we've got you know, get a get a list of five players or something and and go right. This is our number one target. Okay, you can't get him. You can't get the second one. You can't get the third one. You, you're probably going to get one of the five. At the moment, it doesn't look like. I mean, I'm not even hearing rumours of them signing a right back. I'm not sure they're even interested in it. So it's really surprising. And you know, the other thing is. They lost Sambu, Osvaldo Martinez, Moy Munoz. Let them all go in January. That's a lot of leadership. That's a lot of experience. And whilst you know, Marchesin coming in from Munoz was a fantastic signing, arguably the best keeper in Mexico and the leader as well. I think he'll grow into that role as the um, season goes on and he, he gets used to playing with America. But they've lost that drive leadership and creativity in the midfield from Martinez and Sambuesa now William da Silva is is playing that kind of key role now in the midfield and he does have the ability to drive the team forward he played very well in the gear is he good enough for a team that want to win titles is he Sambuesa quality at his best I, I don't think so so they, you know, they could do with, with strengthening that midfield, um, defensive midfield as well. Questions over Chepe Guerrero is he good enough again for a title winning team? And you know, tactics wise, again, they look unsure. They look unsure. La Volpe uh, changed at half time, first half, he played um, what. Uh, the Eagle um, Insight, I don't know if, if you know, um, probably, you've probably seen it, um, fantastic uh, America-focused uh, Twitter handle which, which covers uh, Club America really well, so if you don't, go and follow at The Eagle Insight. Um, but they tweeted about the tactics in the first half saying, you know, this is like the Matosas days again, there's no, there's no balance in this midfield, you, know, you had Arroyo, you had um, Ibarra, you had Darwin, you had... Peralta and clearly there wasn't much balance. Toluca was much the better side in the first half. Second half, La Volpe took off uh, Darwin. He sends on Edson Alvarez, who I'm a big fan of and I really hope gets a lot of playing time this this season. And they looked a lot better with that, but that really showed that La Volpe is not sure about his best system. He doesn't know what he should be doing with this team, and you know we've seen a variety of of formations played. Um, by him so far, we've seen him try with the five at the back. We've seen him play four at the back with a with a holding mid and a three across the midfield, two up front. We've seen him play uh, Peralta at left midfield at times. You know, clearly he's not sure, and he didn't have the time over the winter to cement a tactic, a system that his players are comfortable with. So he's got to do it over the season, and that's a tough challenge. So right now, you know, two sides who I reckon will make Ligia, but I think Toluca look in much better shape to have a run for the playoffs, run in the playoffs, you know, to go far in the playoffs, but this is Ligia Mekis. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, right now Toluca look in much better shape than America. All right, moving on to our second part, uh, the player of the week. And this week that player is Angel Reyna. Um, so Reyna, of course, moved away after 
pretty disastrous spell with Juventus, to be honest. Um, moved to the Ascenso with Salaya, but has been brought back by Carlos Reynoso to Veracruz for a second spell at the club. And, you know, at first, I wasn't expecting much from Angel Reyna. I thought his career was pretty much over, to be honest. But I saw him play against Santos on Sunday night, and he was absolutely fantastic. He's still got that creativity, that class, that guile. And he really adds something to, to Veracruz because you know, Veracruz aren't an attractive team to watch um, normally, you know, particularly under Reynoso. It's a lot of direct play, and there's not much creativity in the side. They, you know, you watch them and they, they really seem to be lacking a playmaker. With Reyna, they have a playmaker. And there were some fantastic moments, particularly in the first half, of you know, great combination play, clever passes. Um, the the goal they scored when uh, Lalo Herrera tapped in, all came from a really great combination with uh, Reina and Felipe Flores, who was playing on the left wing, who um, is an ex Tijuana player that didn't get much of a chance up there, uh, but he had a pretty good game for Veracruz. So, be interesting to see how he develops over the season. But yeah, um, Reina had a great game. And if he can keep this up over the season, he's going to be a big part of the survival push for Veracruz. So, yeah, be interesting to watch uh, if he can keep it up over the season. But, you know, to my surprise, he's still got it. And I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Now we move on to the questions. And um, once again, I want to thank you guys so much for tons and tons of questions. Uh, so... I'm going to try and get through them all, and if you have a question for next week that you want to ask, uh, just hit me up on Twitter. Um, if possible, find me tweeting out this podcast and then reply to it, and then it'll be easy for me to find uh, your question. So, first of all, we've got one from at WhatAboutChris3, who asks, um, now that Chivas has Pizarro, can they get to the semis? And if they can't, what will it take to finally win a trophy? And I'm assuming by a trophy you mean uh, the Liga Mekis title. Or, yeah, perhaps the CONCACAF Champions League. But I'm assuming you mean the Liga Mekis. Uh, with Pizarro, I think they can. Um, first of all, what a goal. What a goal that was. He scored on the weekend. I mean, absolutely incredible. The way he took it out of the sky from such a height. It's a really, really difficult skill. And... That was a sensational goal. So, I think I think he can. I think he is potentially the missing piece of the puzzle. You know, their their issue was often breaking down teams. Chivas always, pretty much always, would dominate the possession. They'd control games really well. Uh, defensively, they were very good. That you know, a lot to do with how they controlled the game and how they pressed. They didn't allow other teams to have good possession and create chances their problem was you know, how many times do we see Chivas having the ball edge of the box a lot but not penetrating not getting through teams and not creating those clear-cut chances I think with Pizarro playing in that number 10 role his movement his creativity his ability to link up with other forwards he can be a massive difference maker for Chivas um, but yeah, I think to finally win that title, they need to improve at breaking down teams. And 
Um, something I think they could do to help that is more of a focus on playing through teams with through balls rather than looking for crosses. Because often when Chivas need a goal, they're desperate for a goal, the tactic just becomes, okay, we're going to get the ball wide, we're going to get crosses in the box. And to be honest, they're not a team that's particularly well set up for that because they don't have a, a Baselli or a Furch, you know, a big target man striker. And, you know, often it just doesn't work with Chivas. So, yeah, Pizarro, great signing. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you never know in the Gimmickies what's going to happen, but um, yeah, they can definitely make the signings this year. If not win it, I think they can win it. Okay, second question comes from Fernando Monteon at Fernando underscore Monteo. And uh, Fernando asks, do you have a favourite Liga MX team or one you root for? And I don't. Um, the reason being that I don't have any particular link to anyone. And to be honest, I like it. I like not supporting anyone. You know, when I watch games, I just enjoy them for the fact that I love the football and the Gamiakis, and um, it also perhaps makes it easier to analyse because, you know, your kind of tribalism and <laughs> love of one team can potentially get in the way um, and lead to slightly um, unbiased thoughts. Um, but you know, I know that all the, pretty much all the um, English language Mexican football writers do a fantastic job of not letting uh, their support get in the way of their, their writing. But I'm sure it must be a bit of a challenge, so it's it's less of a challenge for me, really. Uh, Sean Doyle, at Sean E. Doyle on Twitter, um, who, hi Sean by the way, <laughs> guy I work with over the summer, a coach. He asks, um, what's Liga Mekis' biggest strength and weakness as a league compared to Europe's top leagues? So I'd say the biggest strength is the parity. And um, Liga Mekis has had 14 winners in 20 years and the Premier League's had five winners in that same time. So the parity makes it really exciting to watch because you have no idea who's going to win a given game. You have no idea who's going to win the league. And you know, kind of anything can happen, and that makes it really exciting to watch. I mean, this week you had the title winners Tigres losing two 0 to Atlas, who came like sixteenth or seventeenth last season, you know, right near the bottom of the table. And that sort of stuff happens in the Gamiakis. It's not. It's not even like headline news. It's not a massive shock. It just happens. So the parity makes it really, really great league. Weakness, I'd say, really is the organisation of the league. Um, there's questions over teams that are able to move uh, or buy their way into the league, um, kind of franchise-esque. Uh, there's question marks over the, the way the draft is done, you know, with, with all domestic transfers happening over a two-day period. A question over the Pacto de Caballeros. Um, there's questions over um, how they deal with teams like Chiapas, who didn't pay their players for a while, have paid their players now, but um, yeah, for a lot of the Apertura, their, their players and staff weren't getting paid. So 
the organization needs to needs to improve um, if if it's going to be more of a, a if it's to be taken more seriously on the world stage they definitely need to improve the organization uh, alejandro at a forte 232 asks any dark horse club that could, that could win the clausura now, this is a difficult one for me to answer because I'm never really sure how people define dark horse. So, you know, I've got a few name, names in my mind, but it, the Chivas count as a dark horse? I don't think so, but possibly. Toluca, are they a dark horse? Cruz Azul? Leon? Any of those could be dark horses, could not. I think any of those can win the Clouds of So... Uh, a couple of questions <laughs> on a similar theme here. Um, the colourful kit himself asks, who starts for Mexico and Qatar? AKA, what 10 players line, will line up with Rafa for the National Anthem? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, Cesar at Cesar H Football asks, what happens first, Tuco Ferretti leaving Tigres or Rafa Marquez leaving L3? Uh, this one I can't answer. Um, <laughs> you know, with Tuca, he's he's such a volatile character I can see him one day just complete, completely blowing up and walking out whereas with Rafa he's never going to walk out and, and <laughs> it seems like no one's ever going to get rid of him so I'm going to say Tuca leaving first um, next one that comes from the Stray Goat at the Stray Goat on Twitter he asks, uh, what is one tactical or technical bit that you wish Liga Mekis coaches would stress to their players more? Interesting question. Um, uh, coming, it's actually coming back to well, how I, what I mentioned about Chivas and obviously linking it to Strago being a Chivas fan. Um, in the Soconomics book, they show a study where they found that crossing is the least efficient method of scoring a goal. Something like a one to one point five percent of crosses end up in goals, and I think not just um, Chivas, but a lot of teams in Liga Mekis when they're kind of desperate for a goal, they just resort to getting crosses in the box. And I think some managers could be could do with being shown this stat. You know, it's not a it's not an efficient way of scoring. You're, you're unlikely to score most of your chances from crosses. Um, so I think that's something they could, they could, imp- where teams could improve is, is trying to play through more. Um, you know, looking more for um, you know one twos, quick passing through balls to try and draw out the opposition and, and play through them rather than just get the ball out wide and get crossed in the box. All right, a few more to go. Uh, Michael V at Cycling and Soccer on Twitter asks why doesn't America splash the cash anymore an interesting question obviously links well to the main topic for today to be honest I can't really answer I don't know uh, is it Palaev is he un- you know, is he unwilling to spend that money is it that they can't attract the big players anymore it's it's a tough question and we I can speculate about the reasons but I don't. I don't work for America. I can't give a, a definitive answer of why, but it would be really interesting to know um, why they haven't. Um, but at, in the, at the same time, you never know. There could be something bubbling under the surface. There's still time in the window to go. You know, from the way they they played in their first game, the um, management have, have got to look at that 
team look at that performance and say we need a we need a player or two maybe they will splash the cash we'll we'll see uh don von at nils and bore on twitter asked do you think league americas will become the premier league of america uh, and do you think some league americas teams can compete in the premier league well when we become the premier league of america i'm not sure because of the marketing I think that potentially in terms of the US there's always going to be a struggle to attract um, you know people who aren't from a Mexican or Central American background um, mainly due to the language I think in terms of South America there's so much history in their own leagues that to be attracted to Liga Mekis could be a challenge so I'm, I'm not sure about it becoming as big, as dominant as the Premier League I definitely can see a time when it's undoubtedly the biggest and best league in the Americas there can any team compete in the Premier League right now? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, maybe Tigres. Maybe, maybe they can. I think. Yeah, Ferretti's a good coach. They've got a very strong squad. Um, you know, could they? If they were able to transport their stadium, you know, say they had to play in England, if they were able to transport their stadium over and their fans. And that atmosphere, I think they could, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a really uh, tough, intimidating place to go. Can they beat teams like Hull, Sunderland? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've got a lot more quality than, than those teams. I think, I think that they could definitely keep the ball comfortably against those sorts of teams. And yeah, I reckon they could, they could compete. I think they could stay up. <laughs> Tricente Fernandez at the Real FLO asks, Flower or corn? Um, this is something I didn't realise was a thing until I lived in America for a bit but uh, I'm going to go with flour um, because it's, it's best for burritos so yeah, flour and finally at Mexican Soccer 9 asks what three teams do you think have the best roster in order so I'm going to say Tigres, number one Monterrey, two and Pachuca, three those I think are the strongest rosters but now, Liga Mekis is such a, such a um, as I said, with the parity, such a close league. Uh, you can make strong cases for Chivas, um, maybe, or Leon, I think, definitely a strong case. Maybe Cruz Azul Pumas, they have very strong squads. America, you know, can't, even though they haven't added well in the winter, they've, they've still got a strong squad. So, but yeah, I'm going with Tigres, Monterrey, Pachuca as my top three. All right, guys, well, that is. Um, all the questions that is it for this first episode of the colourful kit podcast extra I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it and you know, remember if you do have a question for next week hit me up on twitter you know reply to um, me tweeting out this um, podcast and you know send in your question and I'll answer it next week but yeah thank you very much for watching if you did enjoy um, you know, please um Get it shared, get it out, give it a retweet, tell your friends. 
um, it'd be great to you know, get a get a few get a good viewership going for this this podcast. But yeah, thanks again, guys, and I will see you all next week.